Welcome in. Get get your breakfast sandwiches ready. Get your coffee ready. We got a little Saturday morning baseball conversation. Drunk on the fightings. Good morning, Eric. How we doing, brother? Good, Don. How you doing, man? Hey, listen. The weather could not be nicer. The team could not be looking better-ish in the last couple of days. So there's a lot to be a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be happy for. But uh. Looking forward to talking some baseball today, brother. What's uh, yes, what, what's 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 on your mind coming into this yeah you know, this game on on Sunday? So I think it's it is it's important to get this. Uh, you know, we have Wheeler going on the mound. They have uh, Urena. He's not had a great start to uh, to the season so far. I think I saw he's only made it to the fifth inning like one game so in his four or five mm-hmm. starts. And I think he's given up at least three runs in each game. So this is one where I think the offense needs to jump on him a little early, give Wheeler a lead so he can kind of settle in and relax. Um, cause you know, Wheeler's had, he's had some struggles so far. So, but against a pretty bad Rockies team, uh, it's important to get three out of four, I think. Well, one, one of those Sunday rock and chair rats. That's what, that's what we're hoping. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice day for it. So hopefully we hey, listen, you here. You, you hope that, that they're able to get the bats going early, right? You get Stott, you know, Stott's going to lead off. Stott could not be hotter at this point. You know, the, the, the hit streak to start the season ends, but you have the place where he's establishing himself at the top of the lineup, which I didn't think would happen, right? Considering you bring in Trey Turner in the offseason, you had almost in the offseason penciled him in to just be leadoff. And you're seeing Stott, right? Stott's going to lead off. Turner, Schwarber, Castellanos are going to lead off the game. I think, you know, the day that Castellanos has yesterday, you know, gets two home runs you know, really kind of you're starting to see that the rust of the spring training kind of wear off. I really like where this lineup is and it's early. It's really early. So the the more that these guys can get their bats in order early, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's funny, actually, at the end of last season when, um, you know, obviously before Turner was signed or anything, I'm, I started thinking to myself, I, mean, you know, I think Stott might be good kind of at the top of the order there if he can actually, if, you know, if he can prove to hit. He's really good at working counts. Um, he's got pretty good pitch selection, which is actually something, I, don't get me wrong, I, I love Turner. I love him at the top of the lineup, but he's been, he kind of jumps on some pitches early, gets some early pop-ups, strikes out a little bit more than uh, I was expecting. Now, I think right. you know, it's, it's still early. Obviously, th- things things can change. I don't know if he's pressing a little bit because he's trying to you know carry the load while Bryce is out, but you know he doesn't really have to because Schwarber you know, has, you know, always starts out a little slow, but he's hitting home mm-hmm. runs at a pretty good clip right now. Castellanos yeah, already has five. Yeah, which isn't bad. I think the – I mean, mm-hmm. right now, I think the major league lead is like, 10 or something so obviously mm-hmm. but he'll, he'll, he'll get there at some point um but Cassianos, like you, you know that's the point i wanted to to, to get to here eventually was because y- yesterday we finally saw some of that power coming back that one of the mm-hmm. things we signed him for now i was there the wind was definitely blowing out a little bit so that that, that may have helped a little bit uh, it was definitely windy but um it's good seeing that. And then he drove that double too so rather than him just kind of hitting those those you know uh, ground ball doubles down the line mm-hmm. and stuff, he's actually starting to <clears throat> seem like he's driving the ball a little bit, which is what we want to see from him, especially in mm-hmm. the uh, in the four hole. Yeah, I mean he's got t- ten doubles on the season, which is great. Yeah. To I see think he's that, the like, league, actually. Yeah, so like to to see where he's at in terms of like not to like overlook the statistical stuff, right? Because it is early, but I think the thing that I'm looking at is like that they have. I want to say they've got like nine or ten guys that have already you know, hitting like the, with the extra base hits, if they're not getting like the home runs will come right. Mm-hmm. The second, the second that this weather turns and the weather is in, in the high eighties, low nineties 
consistently throughout the summer, the ball's going to start flying out of that park. It's going to travel, yeah. And I, and I think it's going to happen right at the right time because you're going to see, you know, now, you know, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but the news that Harper is kind of going to be back sooner than later, probably just going to slot him into that DH for the foreseeable future between there, maybe get him time, a little time at first base, depending on the elbow. I like where this team, I feel like we're going to be like late May, early June. The lineup's going to kind of hit its stride. You're going to insert Harper into that lineup where you're going to kind of lead off with some combination of Stott, Turner, Harper, Real Muto, Schwarber, Cast. I mean, there's a, there's a scenario in here where like Castellanos may hit sixth or fifth, which considering the start to the season that he's had, that's saying something about the amount of power into this lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the yeah you know, one of the big question marks coming into the season was how Castellanos was going to rebound because he didn't really have a, a good season from a power standpoint or mm, even really a no. contact standpoint last year. So I think having him even you know, just starting out the year, making contact with the ball, laying off some of those outside pitches, uh, you know, it is is a really big. Um, really big improvement. And like you said, we're going to have, you know, Bryce coming back, weather's going to start warming up. Some of these guys who are slumping, you know, Schwarber is notoriously known or yeah, notoriously known for his, uh, his Junes. So he's going to heat up. You got to figure. So I think the lineup's in a really good spot compared to where they were last year. You know, I know it was something, um, you know, we talked about was the spot that the Phillies were in last year compared to this year. Right. Mm -hmm. And last year they didn't have, all these things to kind of look forward to Stott wasn't yeah. playing Bohm was kind of still unknown. Um, they didn't have a, 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 a shore center fielder. Uh, whereas this year, you know, we're, we have things to look forward to, right? Bryce is coming back. Rangers should be coming back. Um, you know, maybe Andrew Painter later in the year. So there's, there's a lot of things this, this season to still look forward to, to improve on a start that I think a lot of people were disappointed in, but I think we're starting to see them turn the corner a little bit here. Yeah, no, I really like where they are. And to think about, like, in, in today's lineup, right, Marsh is going to bat fifth. Mm -hmm. In that ideal lineup later on in the year, I mean, he's batting seven, eight, nine, right? Maybe he's the guy at the end of the lineup that turns the lineup over. Um, Edmundo Sosa is going to bat ninth, um, which is a guy that has kind of come on. You know, the, the pickup, it's a very underrated pickup from last year that I think they kind of – they they bet kind of on the upside with him and Marsh where they saw young guys that maybe weren't getting a lot of playing time that if they could work with them internally. And I think you're starting to see the production, you know, he you know, ends up getting a, you know, a big at bat yesterday. I just, I like where, I like where they are with their pieces. And I think the more and more they get guys back healthy when it pushes those guys that are being productive in the lineup, kind of into the onto the bench it, it makes that bench unit much stronger and not for nothing but for me you can get rid of a guy like Cody Clemens because I've <laughs> me personally I've kind of seen that experiment I I honestly would rather see more and, and you know I know Pache has a home run you know in this series that experiment to me has I've seen enough I would honestly, with the money that you're paying Kingery, I would honestly rather see Scott Kingery play and at least give him a shot because I feel like you might get slightly more productive offensively. So it's interesting, actually, because I was uh, I was actually looking at, at something this morning about about Pache and I, he started out the year and his his beginning with the Phillies was uh, was not good. We'll just put it that way. But mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he's kind of turning I'm not saying he's a good offensive player by any means but I is is Kevin Long having a little bit of an effect on him because he's now hit it's uh, hitting a sneaky 300 so far in tw I think 20 at bats with the team um okay. he's driven in a couple of runs uh you know the home run yesterday now two of the runs he drove in were in, in one swing um mm -hmm. but you know I don't want him in there every day and I think I think Thompson's learning that Marsh can hit like he's been now he he started against a lefty yesterday granted it was Kyle Freeland but I think they're they're starting to let him play. I don't mind Pache in there on on a game like yesterday or today. 
okay. where you're going against a lefty. He because he does play good defense and he can play any of the outfield positions. He got to a ball that was hit pretty hard yesterday in left field on the yeah uh, on the run. He and I don't know if I mean Schwarber definitely would not have gotten there. Um, no. <laughs> so he, he might still be running for it, but. Um, you know, there's uh, so I, I'm OK with kind of giving him a shot. I mean, we see what uh, you know, you made the point about how what how uh, the Phillies kind of took a chance on Sosa and Marsh. And when we traded for both those guys, we traded for them as defensive upgrades. Right. Sosa was supposed to kind of right. be a, a utility guy off the bench. Now he's hitting. I, I think I saw a, a stat this morning. He's hitting like 326 in so many games with the Phillies so far, which is really impressive because I don't think the guy hit okay. more than 220. Uh, since, you know, when he was with, uh, when he was with St. Louis Marsh, same thing, you know, he was a top, top rated prospect, but wasn't mm-hmm. really doing it out in LA. He comes here and, uh, you know, last year there was some frustrating things with strikeouts and all, but, um, you know, again, we don't need him to be the number five hitter that he's going to be right. right now. Once we get the lineup kind of boosted back to where it's supposed to be, he can be a seven, eight, nine hitter. And if he hits, you know, half of what he's doing right now, he's going to be productive from that spot in the lineup. So I really like what they're doing with these, with, with some of these guys and kind of taking flyers on some of these projects. Um, and, uh, you know, Dabrowski knows what he's looking for. I think Kevin Long really knows how to, how to get these guys, uh, you know, looking for the right pitches and and getting them back in a, the groove. So I'm, uh, I'm okay with kind of where we're at right now in, in, in terms of that. Dare I say, is Kevin Long having a Jeff Stoutland type effect on, maybe getting more production out of guys that maybe couldn't have, you know, not that Jeff Stoutlin, like he, he does work really well in terms of molding that position group. But I think Kevin Long might be, you, you make a really good point. Maybe I'm kind of pulling the trigger a little bit too early, you know, not realizing, you know, it, it, it's sometimes it's hard to see the production in those spurts when it's, you know, they're only playing maybe one or couple, one or two times a week. But I guess when you take a step back, you look at that overall picture. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm, I'm kind of, maybe, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Um, I, mean, I think it's a natural reaction. Cause I know, I mean, I think everyone was that way with, uh, with Pache in the beginning. I mean, I just, the, he, he took a lot of heat this, those first few games and deservedly so, but, yeah. uh, and Thompson took some heat for consistently playing him, but, um, you know, yet he didn't he didn't hurt the team. Yet. He actually he helped the team pretty considerably yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, as long as he's not hurting the team, you know, as as a role player, uh, you know, I'm okay with, with with him being in there. Then I agree, I agree. And listen, to go back to where you know, you had mentioned a little bit ago where they were a year ago, mm-hmm. right? Do you think you can go the the lineup? Who the so they have Segura, Hoskins, Harper. Castellanos, Real Muto, Schwarber, Bohm. Do you know who played shortstop and center field for this team one year ago this last year? Uh, so was, was center field, was that a double still? It he, was. he got the start today. Uh, and shortstop was D.D. Gregorius, yeah. Johan Camargo. Oh, Camargo, got the, okay. Got, got the so. start on, on this day last year. But, yes, so the but the, the lineup, very, very different right this this time last year and even from the beginning of the year at the end of the year so um but i like where they could be this you know as this lineup starts to project moving forward um talk about pitching right because the pitching kind of started off a little funky nola has kind of gone through his you know still going through the ebbs and flows um you know christopher sanchez gets gets you a decent start um where, where, where are you at with the pitching? So I think, you know, the pitching's in a, you're right. It's kind of in a fragile spot right now, um, but there's reasons for optimism. I want to say on most, most fronts. Um, so Nola obviously did not start the season real great. Uh, still not super impressed with this stuff this year. Um, even mm-hmm. yet he, what was it? Friday night, he pitched seven innings, uh, mm-hmm. only really gave up that home run to Crone. Uh, and pitched pretty well. He only had three strikeouts, and I think he was – or this is two starts ago. He By his last inning, he was topping out at like 89 with his fastball. And that's yeah. a little concerning to me because, you know, Nola's never been like a blow-it-by-you type guy. But if he's not going to be sitting, you know, 93, 94, I think he loses some of his effectiveness there. 
Um, so I'd like to see that kind of come back uh, and kind of build up that strength and keep his velocity going. I think that would that would help him a little bit. Um, Wheeler is another one where, you know, he seems to be coming out of the gate pretty strong. We're seeing, you know, 96, 97 in the first few innings. And by like the fourth inning, he's dropping off to like 93, 94. And Wheeler is a velocity guy, right? Like that's yeah, kind of what right. he's relying on. So I don't know if, if it's, you know, I know he after the last game, he said he had some back tightness or something. So maybe mm-hmm. that had something to do with it. You really just hope it's not an injury thing with Wheeler because we don't really have a lot of depth in the starting rotation right now with uh, – um, you know, with him sideline for a little bit, but that's where some of the optimism comes back into play, right? Rangers are going to come back, uh, you know, in the next few weeks. I think um, it was reported yesterday that he's going to have to make like three or four rehab starts. They want to right. see him at like 90 pitches or so, which is fair. Um, so we probably got what I would say, you know, two or three weeks probably still before he would even uh, be close to returning. Mm-hmm. Um, Tywin Walker has really turned it around in his first few since his first few starts. Not that he pitched horribly in those starts, but it was just kind of lackluster, not really much going on. But he's looked really good in his last two starts. And then honestly, my guy Matt Strom. Matt Strom has I know he's had one or two uh two two bad outings, but that dude is fun to watch out there. Um he is he's intense, he's passionate, and he's really filling in nicely when we really sign him to be you know a, a reliever. Um, and I think once you know, Suarez is back, I know some people have been saying, you know, put Falter in the pen. Falter to me is not a bullpen guy because he no. doesn't have that velocity, right? He could maybe go a couple long innings for you, but Strom can too. But And Strom has, I think, more of the stuff to do that. Falter is not a bad number five starter. People like to like to rip on him, but your number five starter is not going to have a, you know, sub three, five, three, five ERA or anything. No, like no, that, no, right. They're, they're going to be in the four in the mid fours. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what you get. You want him to eat innings. That's what he's doing. So I'm, I'm actually happy with those guys. The two that I think that it really hinges on right now are Wheeler and Nola, who, while neither one has, you know, is, is awful right now. We need them to kind of, get into form so that way these you know are three four five and now you know sanchez if we do need a six starter uh, th- there's not as much pressure on those guys because they should not be the ones carrying this rotation yeah i mean listen you the, the two guys that i wanted to talk about you, you you took it right out of my mouth right the guy the guy that has been really impressive to me on the first end is right is taiwan walker right mm-hmm. you're you're getting you know essentially some what what could be a number two on most you know rotations as a number three being really, really productive. He's going out there. He's got two wins on the season, eating a lot of innings. Um, and Matt Strom, man, the Stromboli has been a guy that has been a lot better than anyone ever expected, right? A guy that you mentioned, they, they don't bring him in to fill this role, but he kind of just steps in. And I think, you know, at, again, as we mentioned earlier, as these guys start to get back healthier, you're going to get these guys back when these guys start to slot into different roles and the roles that they will be in for the foreseeable future for the rest of the summer. Um, you know, I really like where I could project where this lineup could go. Um, you know, Jose Alvarado at the back end of this has been everything as advertised, right? The ERA is below one. Um, he's coming in, you know, he's got three saves on a season, which, you know, in, in, even in the games where he's not recording the save, been very impressive, right? The the stuff that he's coming out of the pen with is electric, which is exactly what you want to rely on at the back end of this bullpen. So, um, you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been, you know, again going through those. It, it's it's still early, um, but I think you know. There might be an opportunity, you know, come the trade deadline where they start to maybe cherry pick someone, you know, out of some, you know, off a, off a team where they can plug and play into the back end of that line, whether it's a setup guy. Um, but I think you're going to start to see more production out of, you know, Marte. You're going to start to see, um, you know, production out of Gregory Soto. He's looked good in his last couple outings. Just, I, I like where this team is in terms of, even though in the standings it doesn't look great, when I look at the guys, I'm okay. I I fully agree with that. Yep, the bullpen when you know coming into the season, I think was ranked by MLB.com as like the sixth or seventh best bullpen in baseball. And the first series or two, we're like, wait, what? Where did what happened with these guys? Yeah, Alvarado has been 
great the entire the entire year. I mean, it, some of the innings that he's pitching, maybe some of the nastiest uh, relief performances that I can remember. Uh, he has just been absolutely dominant out there, um, and it's been really fun to watch. Another, you mentioned two other guys, Gregory Soto. First game looked not great. But remember, he did come into spring training a little bit late due to the visa issues and everything. I, he's been on a tear uh, since then. In his last eight appearances, he has not allowed an earned run. Um, he's looking good with strikeouts. He almost and he has the stuff. He him and Alvarado are very similar to me, I think. And I think if they can hone just like what they did with 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 Alvarado, if they can hone in on Soto's command and his control, we could have two of the nastiest left-handed relievers in baseball. Um, Dominguez looks like he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Um, he's, uh, he had another scoreless appearance last, you know, yesterday in his last five appearances, he only has one, he's only given up one earned run. So looking good there. Is this me or is this? Vonsee Brewing Company is a 20-barrel, 16,000-square-foot microbrewery with a 2,500-square-foot tasting room, including a spacious outside beer garden in Norristown, PA, in the heart of Montgomery County. The Von C. family is part of the family that started C. Schmidt and Son Brewing in 1860. Stop in Wednesday through Sunday and taste a variety of draft and 16-ounce cans of originally brewed beer and tell them the Drunk on Broad crew sent you. Vonsi Brewing is located at 1210 Stenbridge Street, Suite 300 in Norristown. Cheers! Team Clicks are the only glasses for real sports fans. With interchangeable arms you can support all of your favorite teams or even make and create custom options as well. These die-hard sports fans have realized that sports fans needed something other than face paint to show their love and passion for their teams. Go to teamclicks.com slash DOB and show your love for your hometown team. La Torrance curated collection of men's and women's watches is a perfect investment that lasts for years to come and fits perfectly with your every outfit and style. Our range of classic watches aren't just a great perfect formal and casual accessory, but a time machine that takes you back to memories. Explore our collection of timeless watches that can reflect your taste, personality, and personal style. Our exclusive collection of carefully curated affordable luxury watches is what you need to make a personalized style statement. You can take pride in your prized possession, handing it over to the next generations as your most loved asset that they can also own and display with the same pride. These high quality pieces stand the test of time, giving exceptional value and return on your investment. Those are locked. Dash tourain.com and use code DOB at checkout and get 10% off. If you're looking for unique sports apparel, check out Streaker Sports. They've dug deep into the archives and have brought back some incredible defunct team logos and have even created entire defunct league collections. They also have collections paying homage to sports culture including the Miracle on Ice, Slapshot, Kadishak, the Mighty Ducks, and even have a license with Wiffle Ball and USA Hockey. Only for Drunk on Broad listeners, use code BROAD at checkout to get 10% off anything at streakersports.com. Again that's 10% off anything at streakersports.com with discount code BROAD.
All right, we're back. Um, so we're, we're waiting for uh, Don to get his uh, his audio back here. I'll figure I'll just kind of go off and talk a little bit more about um, about the bullpen and some of the pitching uh, that we've been seeing here. Um, so far, things have been going pretty well. We're starting to see guys like Soto, Dominguez, Alvarado step up. Don mentioned Junior Marte a little bit earlier before the break, and uh, he's a guy who um, is is interesting, right? He's got some really good stuff. But he has had some uh, some ups and downs. Obviously, he did not start out the season great. Ended up getting optioned. You know, he's been kind of going back and forth here. He's a guy to keep an eye on, though. He does have the stuff, so you never really know when he um, when he's uh, yeah when when he could make an appearance again and come back. So we have Don back here. You there, Don? All right. Well, anyway, a um, couple other guys, Andrew Bellotti just had to go on the IL um, with 15 day. IL. I think it was uh, forearm tendonitis, if I'm not mistaken. He's been used a lot so far this year. And you got to imagine that's in some way that maybe the overuse has has caused some of that. Um, so him going on the IL makes a little bit of a difference here for the bullpen. But now we have Christopher Sanchez up uh, as of right now. I haven't seen any roster moves yet this morning regarding that. Um Going into uh, going into today, we know we have Wheeler on the mound against uh, Jose Urania of Colorado, who, as I said in the beginning of the show, has not had a great start to the season. But he, um, so it should be a chance for the Phillies to kind of jump all over him. Uh, it would be huge for them to end up getting the series win here against a Rockies team that is not very good. Um, I think coming into the series, they had lost you know, a pretty significant number in a row. So it would be good for the Phillies to walk out of here with, with, with a with a win uh, going into next week. Um, looking ahead at the Phillies' schedule, uh, they're off tomorrow, but then they end up playing uh, Seattle. Seattle comes to town Tuesday. Seattle's got a really good team. Um, they kind of started – coming back a little bit uh, in the last couple of years. They have a really good pitching staff. Uh, Luis Castilla is, you know, kind of anchoring that down. Julio Rodriguez won AL Rookie of the Year last year, so he's a guy the Phillies pitching is going to really have to kind of work around. Um, but coming into the series, I think that's why it's, it's really important for the Phillies to get that win uh, today because, you know, this the Mariner series is not going to necessarily be an easy one for them. Um so we're going to want to start seeing some of uh, we're, we're going to want to start seeing that win there. Um, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper news comes out earlier last week. Good news. I, this guy's recovery from Tommy John surgery has been nothing short of incredible. He is recovering at a rate that's pretty much unprecedented. I think I heard something on the radio a couple of days ago that Tony Womack uh, recovered in like 180 some days. Harper's on pace for like 160 some days or something. Um, you know, he's been taking batting practice. He's been fielding ground balls at first base, which I'll get to in a second. Um, you know, it seems like he's able to slide a little bit uh, back to the bases and kind of like a modified slide type of way. That seems like the last hurdle that he needs before he can kind of rejoin the lineup. And more importantly, maybe even more impressively, he might not need a rehab. Uh, stint, which is kind of impressive since he hasn't really faced much live pitching other than, you know, Ranger Suarez, as we've seen, um, has been throwing some uh, bullpen sessions and uh, live uh, batting practice to him, him and uh, Christian Pache, I think, yesterday on the field. So um, if he can get back without a rehab stint, it's, it was reported yesterday that he could be back in as soon as two weeks, which you know, really puts us way ahead of schedule. They were planning originally by the uh, all-star break. That's not until July. So I think originally the team was thinking sometime, you know, mid to late June, he's going to be back, you know, probably by mid May or so, which, um, you know, I, I, it was going to be a huge boost to this lineup. So once he's able to make it back, I think the smart thing to do is put him as your DH for the foreseeable future. I think Don made that point earlier. Um, make him your DH for the foreseeable future, just so that way there's no risk of injury while playing the field or anything. 
Him playing first base is very interesting. Um, you know, originally, I think when when there were some pictures coming out from uh, from some of his his uh, you know workouts and everything, he was he had a first base glove on, and people were starting to speculate a little bit. And then the club actually came out and said that you know he approached uh, management and said, "I'm willing to learn first base." Well, well, yeah, while Reese is out, uh, and I think it also is a way for him to kind of get back on the field a little bit quicker. Um, you know, now it's not saying first basemen don't have to throw the ball right on relays. They have to throw uh, on a ground ball. They might have to throw to second or third or home um, to get a guy out. So it's still something, you know, he, he can't really do just yet. But it's uh, it's an interesting concept having him play there. Um, not even just looking at the short term, but in terms of the length of his contract. Right. I think he's in year what? Uh, so he's on a 13 year contract about four years. So he's, he's got about nine years left. Um, by the end of that contract, you know, he's going to be a little bit older. Now he is a super athlete and can pretty much do things that, you know, most other people can't do. So maybe he would still be good in roaming right field, uh, you know, in his, in his later thirties, but there's a chance that his defense in the outfield could, you know, kind of slide a little bit or go downhill, um, with him playing first base that takes away some of those mobility issues. Uh, by the end of his contract, who knows, maybe he is a, a first baseman and that's how, you know, we keep his bat in the lineup uh, so we can get other people in at DH um, and keeps him, keeps him on the field and keeps him fresh. Without, uh, you know, without having Harper uh, in the field, you know, his bat is obviously valuable in the, in the lineup anytime you can get it in there. But, um, you know, getting him in the field also also helps a, a, a ton at this point. So just seeing. Um, but yeah, so then the other injury that uh, has been kind of important at this point has been Ranger Suarez. We know that he's he's been out. Uh, he really he left you know, the World Baseball Classic early. So this has been kind of something that's been lingering on for a little bit of time. Getting Suarez back, it seems like he's making strides, kind of the same, same pace as Harper maybe, except he might be a little bit longer. As I said earlier in the show, he has to make a few rehab appearances. He hasn't really pitched enough to build up his arm strength. So in order to have him be a true starter in, in, in the major leagues, he's going to have to work up that arm strength, get himself to about 90 pitches or so. Uh, so that way he can, you know, he can be an effective starter um, and help out this bullpen who you know, early in the year has been taxed. Uh, the bullpen has been used quite, quite a bit at this point. Um, so... <clears throat> Let's see. With that being said, uh, I just got a question, I believe. So someone just asked who they think uh, should be, you know, play, you know placed uh, in, in the minor leagues when when Bryce comes back. That's a good question. Um, there's obviously a lot of different options at this point. Uh, Cave, Clemens. Pache, who who goes who goes down to the minors after uh, Harper is is reinstated from the IL. That's an interesting one. Cave has not been great so far at this point, um, but you know that's he, he's a bench bat, right? He has a little power. He has a home run or two, and he um, you know so so he's been okay. Cody Clemens, I think, would be the one who you'd probably want to send back down to AAA. Uh, he hasn't really shown a whole lot in terms of offense. I, I don't even think he's necessarily a great defensive first baseman. So I think he's kind of one of those guys who's here as a placeholder uh, until later on, especially then, you know, if, if Harper can come back and play first base at some point later, you don't really need another guy who can, who can play first there. Uh, later on in the season. So I think Clemens is probably going to be the guy that we'll see uh, get get optioned when uh, to, to make room for Harper on the on the roster there. Um, but that, that's an interesting point. So I guess we'll see what happens there. You know, anything can happen between now and, uh, you know, a couple weeks from now. But um, that's something that we uh, you will have to kind of keep an eye on. But that was a, that, that's a good point. Good question. Something to think about. Um, in other Phillies type news, right, where, uh, you know, this is probably one of the times we've seen prospects kind of being something that uh, are, are popping back up, right? For a while, the minor league system was kind of barren. Um, we can all think back to, you know, Dominic Brown in those days and uh, Kyle Drabeck, all those guys are untouchable at one point when it came to trading for Halliday. We're starting to see some guys who are 
of that uh, of that level now. Obviously, the big one, Andrew Painter, right? Everyone knows about him. Everyone's uh, kind of anticipating his return to whether it's pitching, uh, you know, minor league games or eventually making his way to Philadelphia. Hey, Don. You got me? Yep, I got you. All right. Technical difficulties. <laughs> it's all good. Um, lost I, the, I lost, lost I, the internet connection. Nah, it's all <laughs> all good. I was just uh, just going into some of the prospects uh, that we uh, that the Phillies have and saying that you know it hasn't been something that we've really had a lot of recently, right? We haven't had mm-hmm. prospects that we could really say, okay, let's let's go out and, uh, and and see what these guys can do. Now, our top three pitching prospects are you know pretty coveted by by most teams. We're even starting to see some offensive prospects who. Uh, you know, could could kind of start making an impact. So there's some interesting ones there. Most um, Mickey, I'm sorry. No, most definitely. Like you, you, you see that they have they're 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 getting the the rebuilding of that restructuring of that farm system is really starting to see. You're really starting to see the benefits of where the farm where where it lacked for so long. Um, and I and I could hear I, I was listening. And I could hear you talk about you know the the the. When you when Harper does come back, you know the the guys that potentially get moved. Um, but I think, right, even even if you're talking about the the benefit of the bat, which is like astronomical compared to you know whether it was Cody Clemens or whether it was out the the Alec Bohm version of first base, um, the defense that you're getting for Harper is kind of a wash, right? Even if he's mod- moderately better than whatever those guys are with whatever version of health he comes back with, whatever you're going to get from him offensively is going to be immensely productive. And I don't think they're going to put him out in the field until they know for a hundred percent that the, the structure of that elbow is going to be what it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he, and I don't think Harper's going to rush it. And uh, let's remember he's represented by Scott Boris. So Boris isn't going to let yeah. them, uh, let them rush anything either there. Cause you know, but Harper came out earlier uh, in the off season and said he plans on playing in his forties. So there could be another contract, whether it's with the Phillies or someone else uh, that, that Harper and Boris might have their, uh, their eye on a little bit later on. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that at all. Um, Anything else Phillies wise you want to talk about? There's a couple of major league baseball things I want to run by you before we jump out of here. Sure, go ahead. Um, the A's. Right. The news comes out that you know the 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 land in Vegas is purchased already to you know to build the stadium. This will now be like if I'm a fan of Oakland, like I'm crushed because in the last couple of years, right, you've seen right the Warriors move out of that that arena into another arena, not in Oakland. Mm-hmm. The Raiders moved to Vegas already. Now the A's are moving to Vegas. Um, I'm, I can't understand why this franchise is number one, why major league baseball is allowing them to be one as futile as they are, but to essentially just be able to just walk away from a city. Yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting one. Um, and, you know, I felt bad for Oakland fans for for, for some time because I feel like the A's have not been competitive. They haven't really been trying since these rumors of them eventually maybe moving to Vegas or somewhere else uh, kind of came out. But, yeah, it, it's it's a disgrace how A's ownership is running that team. I think I saw their payroll is like 58 or $56 million this year. I mean, Scherzer and Verlander yeah. are making like 40 some million dollars this year. I mean, they're making, you know, 80%, 85% of a team's actual payroll. Like how in the world does you're right. There's, you have guys like Steve Cohen, right. Who's going to spend bajillions of dollars to, mm-hmm. to get a team, which, you know, might be so these, these little owners aren't going to like that, but there's got to be some middle ground, right. Um, you can't have a team that's being completely uncompetitive. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just a disgrace the way they're being run. And I feel bad for the fans of Oakland because they, you know, they, they deserve better. Um, I think I saw that they're uh, what four and something, and they have uh, they already have a minus one hundred run differential on the season, which is I was just going to tell. I was just going to say the the run dif- the, the fact that the run differential is a hundred this early in the season, right? They, the game that they lose yes yesterday to the Rangers, I think they end up losing. It was eighteen three. Eighteen to three, like yeah. just it's. It's just bad, and it's not it's not a great look for baseball Mm-mm. for them to be able to look at like 
teams just being able to just jump and jump cities essentially, you know, at, at the, at the cost of the fan, right? Because now, right. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point, right. If Vegas is going to probably get an NBA franchise and make it just a four, just a, you know, a four sport city. Cause at this point it's going to be three, three sports. Yeah. Um, you see that the fan base support that they got from the, 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 the hockey team and how mm-hmm. that upstart franchise will literally just create out nothing to a team that's, you know, really productive in the NHL. They're seeing the support that they got from Vegas. And I think the proximity from Oakland to Vegas helps them too, mm-hmm. because it's not a, sh- it, it's a short flight right. from Oakland to Vegas. So anybody who still wants to go and can go still can. It's not like a cross country flight. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think it's a sad state for baseball to look at where they are in terms of the, I mean, even in a sense, like when, when you look back at even that, that money ball era where they were good, mm-hmm. they were a good team and they still were drawing like next to nothing. And when they're being out, out attended by minor league franchises, that's bad. That's bad. And that's, yep. and, and it's, and it's a bad look for baseball when you're going to the highlights of the games that are in Oakland and those games are like, there's no it essentially looks like nobody's there yeah it's yeah it's it's, a, it's an absolute disgrace i also heard the thing did you hear there's a uh, there's a possum living in the uh visiting broadcast booth right now so the visiting broadcasters can't even broadcast from uh from an actual yeah. broadcasting booth it's, it's actually it's it's comical at that point i mean it's such a joke of a of a situation but you made a good point about teams like the rays ha- don't have a, a large payroll right but they've been they, they're competitive all the time um so there is a way to do it the mm-hmm. A's aren't trying to do that, though, right? They're trying to keep a low payroll for the sake of keeping a low payroll. The Rays are doing it because they don't have a, a you know a huge drawing either. They don't have a, a very large market, but they're smart in the way they do things. I, every year, I feel like they have four or five starting pitchers, and I'm like the, every single year they're bringing up someone new who is just like lights out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you every yeah that that's something that's always really impressed me. Even Eric, the Marlins to an extent. Yeah, even even so, to talk about the the Rays front office. Yeah. Right. It feels like the, you know, every summer at the end of the summer, when teams are restructuring GMs, upper man, you know, the, the baseball management end of it, it seems like the Rays are the team that they go to cherry pick guys from and, and nothing drops off. Just yeah. the next guy steps up and it's like, all right, well, that guy left. We're going to bring this guy in and not nothing. Th- th- there's no drop off there. So I'm looking at the Rays and going, that's a team that I'd not only look for guys on with, with the on-field player development in their minor league system, but even in their upper management, right? They're picking, mm-hmm. they're, they're finding guys later on in the draft. They're, they're finding guys to get productive, right? And not for nothing, but like the guy that they bring in in the offseason, right? The, they, they, they cherry pick a pitcher from the Phillies and he ends up being their highest ever paid free agent. At like eleven million dollars or something like that. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's crazy. The one the one time we got something over on the race though, we got Alvarado from them. So that's yeah, one they let yeah, they, they yeah. let they let him slip on that one. So I'll I'll, I'll take some solace in that for the Phillies uh, front office and development there. Most definitely. Um, and then the other thing, the news comes out with Otani, right? The, that Otani essentially is going to look to move on from the Angels. Um, do you think he gets moved during the season? Or do you think uh, that's, that's the season? So I, I really think it depends on how competitive the Angels are this year. I mean, they have had some some teams that have shown some promise. Like on paper, that they're not bad. And I still don't really mm-hmm. think they are. But when you have Mike Trout, who was pretty much the undisputed best player in baseball until Otani came around, and now Otani, that you have them on the, on the same team. And, you know, you're still – you know, a borderline playoff team. I think that kind of shows a lot about them and also not really being a seriously run organization too. Yeah. Um, so I think I saw something yesterday. It all kind of depends on, on how competitive they are. Um, now I would selfish, selfishly, I would like to see Otani get moved in the season. Cause I would just love to see the trade package that has to go together to, 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 to get him. And then just to see what he's going to get on the market next year. I mean, I, I know, I, you know the, he's not in the Phillies, um, you know, 
budget here, but I'm cu- very curious to see, you know, how, if he breaks that $500 million mark and not just if he does it by, but by how much. So uh, I selfishly want to see him get moved just because I think he also deserves to be on a contender. I mean, the yeah. guy is a generational talent. How often, you know, when was the last time we saw a guy that could do what he does? And not only does he pitch and it. hit. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's, he's an MVP candidate on the offensive side. He's a Cy Young candidate on the pitching side. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, what he's able to do is is just absolutely absolutely insane. But it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. I do watch on MLB TV. I will watch Angels games just to just to see what he's doing. So, so I was going somewhere with this. So okay. when I look at so the one, I, I agree. I think the the trade package that you would see for Otani would put the Juan Soto package to shame. Yeah, right. It, it would be multiple prospects, multiple players, essentially like. Your, your top four or five prospects, maybe a, a ready now position player. Um, but if Otani does get moved during the season, does that open the door for another guy? Mike Trout. Does that open the door for Trout? To, because I really feel like the Angels to me are like the Edmonton Oilers. They've got a lot of talent at the top mm-hmm. and then the drop off between like the second and third guy is like the same drop off between the third guy and like the 27th guy. Like you have, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl for the Oilers. You've got Otani and Trout and then like not a whole lot else. So right. like if they decide to move on from Otani, does that then open the door for Trout? And is that something that you would be interested in pursuing? Well, I think so. It, it's tough to say because he did just sign. He's right after Harper signed. He signed that long-term contract mm-hmm. to stay there. Basically saying, you know, he's an angel. He wants to be an angel. He wants to, you know, help that franchise. I think if I'm like Trout, I'm, I'm very frustrated if they aren't doing more to try to make the team better, especially when I you basically came out and said, I'm, you know, I'm investing my time and talents mm-hmm. in, in, in this franchise. I would expect them to be doing the same thing in return. Um, I mean, I, and then to, to answer your second question, I think, you know, if, if, if he does, you know, cause at this point, the only way it would happen would be via trade. And I think he has a no trade clause, but obviously if he approaches it, he can waive that. Right. I mean, I, I would love for, you know, for him to end up, uh, end up here. I just don't see a, a world in which the payroll would be able to, to handle <laughs> that unless the, unless the, um, you know, revenue in baseball keeps going up like it is. I mean, the yeah. fact that, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, a high, a high team payroll was like 180, 190 million. Now we're looking, and I think with the Mets are like 300 something million, but now they're obviously a, a, an outlier there, an extreme example, right. but, you know, we're seeing more and more teams go into the mid 200s, uh, you know, high 200s. So it could keep climbing. Who knows? Um, going back to the contracts though, the Bryce Harper contract is, an absolute bargain. So that's going to help us go hey, forward you're right. because he, you know, the, we signed him at the, the, the timing just worked out. You know, he took a little bit of a discount to get the extra years, which worked out really well. So that, you know, that, and that, and he also did it because he wanted to have that ability for the team to, you know, maneuver and sign other players. So, you know, I guess it's not completely uh, impossible. I think it's unlikely. Yeah. But, I mean, if 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 you were to tell me that over the offseason, Mike Trout requested a trade in Philadelphia was on his on his list of destinations, I'd you know, I'd definitely uh, definitely be in line to see what to see what the Angels are listening for there. Yeah, because I think you you're you would obviously again you you're looking at a package that's maybe that's obviously less than the package that would be required for Otani, but also to be able to insert him into this lineup. With all those, with all those other guys, you know the fact that you know you you could slot him into to play, I think, would be electric for the city. One, um, obviously, you're mortgaging a lot of your prospects. You're probably packaging. You know, maybe you're sending Brad. You know, you're sending Marsh back to to the Angels because they're going to need somebody to fill that position spot. Um, could you could it could it get done without giving up you know painter if you backload you know 
numbers two, three, four, five. Like, <laughs> is there a scenario where they could do that? Maybe. Um, I just think like the the converse to me the conversation's there, right? Yeah. Because you're you're talking about right if if Otani's getting moved, right? I know they're moving him because they're gonna they're gonna want to get back some cost benefit for you know not the, him not wanting to sign. At the right. same time, are you looking at you know him just being like, all right, well if he's gone, what am I doing here? Right. No, and I think that, you know, that's a good point. And, you know, Trout, obviously being a local guy and being a Phillies fan growing up and everything probably probably helps that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, I think what the, the trade package for that would it would decimate the minor league system. Okay. However, I guess it depends on the, the window the Phillies think they have, right? I mean, if they're thinking, hey, we need to win in the next, you know, four or five years due to some guys aging, due to contracts and things mm-hmm. like that, then, you know, maybe you do mortgage, mortgage the farm system. To, to be able to do that. Um, and it's funny, I always tell myself this because, you know, I've seen what happened with prospects like Dominic Brown and mm-hmm. Kyle Drabeck and these guys who you know, were, were untouchables at, at one point. They get traded, you know, even Sixto Sanchez, same thing with JT. And they don't end up really panning out. And it's mm-hmm. you sit here and it's like, well, I would love to see, you know, I love seeing homegrown guys come up. I love seeing homegrown guys come up and, and hit their full potential. But a lot of times they don't. And I've, I always tell myself, I'm like, prospects are prospects for a reason. You know, if you have a chance to get a good player, go out and do it. I still, you know, I still have that inner inner battle sometimes in my mind about, oh, well, do we really want to mortgage the farm? But at the same time, you know, if you have a, if you have a chance to win now, win now. Yeah. Now, the way, I, the way I approach it, right, I heard, I can't remember who said it, but I remember hearing someone say, like, the team that gets the best guy in the trade is the team that wins. Yeah. Right. So at that time, right. You, you have no idea. And, and listen, you know, go, go back through some of the, the, the bigger trades, right. The, the prospects that you give up for Roy Halliday, the prospects mm-hmm. you give up for Cliff Lee, the prospects that you give up for, you know, name the, the A-list guy, right. The, the odds that the, those guys that you're trading, the odds that they will be impactful players in the future. Right. And a guy like you just mentioned, right? Sixto Sanchez was a guy that was on that untouchable list for so long and essentially went to Miami, was productive for a little while, and then just kind of fizzled out. And, you know, you're not really hearing pretty much anything from him anymore. So it's like I I, I go through the same thing, right? But I always look at, like, what what am I trying to do? Am I trying – if I'm trying to win now – and I can give up those guys that may be productive in the future to be able to win a championship. Now I'm not going to go back and think about what am I, what, what did I miss? We're going to look back and look at pictures of a parade and look at pictures of celebrations in the locker room. We're not going to be yelling, Oh man, I really wish we got to watch Andrew painter. Yeah. No. So it's like, but, but that, that, that inner struggle, man, that's, it's real. It's, it, it's real. And it, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you want to be able to see this team. And I think Dombrowski sees that window with the talent that they have. So I think they're not going to hesitate to move on guys. Yeah. But I think they're also going to be smart about it. Correct. And Dombrowski has always been a win now type guy. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, that, that also helps there, but yeah, I mean, even if it's not, even if it's not like a, a superstar like Trout, I mean, there's still players out there that I, they're definitely, he's always looking to improve the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's under the radar things, right? I remember the trade deadline last year when we got Brandon Marsh, yeah. people were like, eh, like, okay, like he's a center fielder. He'll play defense. He's not going to, yeah, but he, he's not a great offensive player. Look at him this year. I think he's leading the league in OPS or whatever. So, I mean, there's, and the, if a, a franchise has run well, can get those types of guys, turn them around, and and make them productive players, and that's exactly what the Phillies are doing right now. They're taking guys who you know were kind of n- not really flourishing in other places. They're taking them, and now you know they're 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 doing really well here. You know, biggest examples: Sosa and uh, and Marsh. So I think that's a smart thing. You don't always have to get you know, the top guy on the market, it's nice to, it's fun to, right. When we got, you know, Turner and Harper in the last few years here, even Schwarber and Castellanos, they were good signings, but, um, you know, sometimes those little signings, uh, or little trades 
can be just as uh, just as productive, especially when you already have a pretty star-studded lineup. Um, now again, with, with losing Hoskins makes a big difference, but getting Harper back will also make a big difference. Seeing guys like Stott, Bohm, and Marsh be productive hitters in the if they weren't productive this year. I think we'd be having a very different conversation right now about the optimism we feel with this, with this, with this franchise. Um, you know, a lot of what we were you know thinking going into the off season was hoping that these guys were going to be productive and so far they have been. So that's been good to see. No, I agree. Right, anything you want to touch on before we go into final thoughts? Um, I, I, I don't think so. I think the only thing uh, I was, I was going to mention was um, Mick Abel started. I think it was Friday night. And uh, had, a, had a better outing. I think he gave up one run, um, threw a lot of pitches. So he's still working on that control a little bit, but his stuff is definitely there. I think he, sh- he struck out he struck out a good number. I think he struck out five or six in like four and a third innings. But I think it took him like 80-some pitches to get there. So he, um, you know, another prospect who's, who's probably not too far away from being able to make an impact. Okay. Uh, with with the team, and especially you know if, if if Nola does walk at the end of the season, you know you're gonna need a guy like that. So uh, I just wanted I when 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 I was talking about Painter, and then when you jump back in, uh, Abel was gonna be one of my next things, and then I, I forgot to get back to him. So he was the only oh. thing I wanted to uh, to discuss a little bit there. Yeah, cool. Well, listen, final final thoughts. Um, I saw a really cool story, um, and it's actually a story that's pretty close to us. That have you heard about the guy? that's playing uh, college baseball at Monco. There's a story that came out. Um, his name is Jim Fullen. He's a, 50, he's a 56-year-old retired postal worker and Army veteran. And he just wanted to play college baseball, right? And he, he ne- so right out of high school, went into the Army, okay. never, went to, never went to college. Right after the, you know, when he comes back from the Army, gets into the postal service, works in the postal service, um, he went back to school, started taking classes at Monco, um, played in some adult leagues, played it, you know, pl- played, you know, well after, you know, into his adulthood, but, you know, as his kids got older, dropped off, picked it back up. Um, but recently enrolled in classes at Monco hmm. went, tried out. Um, and he's, listen, he looks like your typical 56 year old <laughs> retired postal worker. Um, not in the greatest shape, but talk about a guy that didn't give up on, on a dream, didn't give up on, you know, wanted to pursue it, even if it was on some level, right. Going back to college and showing, you know, himself that he could do it, but he's going to pray. He's out there at practice every day. He's traveling with them with games. He's gotten into a couple games. Um, but he is uh, the 56-year-old freshman uh, right fielder for the Montgomery County College Mustangs. There we um, go. That's... This was just was a really cool story and a story that's you know that that's local. But um, you know, it's just cool to see someone who's out there who's kind of you know just doing their own thing because they want to do it because they because they're really trying to be able to pursue their dream. Just a just a cool story. Yeah, that is cool. It's, I, I read the headline at one point. I don't think I ever. I don't think I clicked the article, so I didn't realize it was so local. But uh, I did see the headline that um, there it was, was a national news. Yeah, well, okay, that, that might have been where I. And that's maybe why I didn't click the headline because I didn't think okay. it was anywhere around here. So <laughs> <laughs> turns out it was. I should have read it. <laughs> um, all right, you got it. You want to go final thoughts? Um, no, I think like, you know, we talked about this in the beginning of the show. Let's get that win today. Let's take a series against the, uh, an inferior team here and, uh, go in, go into next week against Seattle with, uh, with some momentum here. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, so. check, check out our, our, you know, we, we got the daily post with the highlight, the highlight packages. We got, uh, you know, the, the flagship show on Wednesday night. Um, check out all of our unique content. We got a, if you, if you, uh, if you're out there listening, we've got, you're going to hear something for the broad street line. You want to chime in while the game's going on the in-game reactions. Um, just a lot of cool stuff going on. Go check us out. We're on the fired up sports network, but thanks for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll check back in with you later in the summer. All right. Later. See ya. This is the broad street line where Philly sports fans leave all of their sports hot takes. Call 2674053062 and show us your passion for Philly sports. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday at 8.30 when we listen to your live reactions to the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. 
Hey, hey, listen to this guy. How, tell me how you're feeling here. You're screaming. I am stoked, baby. You're screaming like it's still the game going on. I'm talking about the fightings here. The fightings. Said. Said. Should. Yeah.